Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Well, happy Easter, everybody. Another reason why I'm excited about today is I uh, gave up coffee for Lent, so... Daddy's back. I only call myself Daddy when I'm drinking coffee, by the way. Easter is God's ultimate surprise. God loves to surprise us with good gifts. And Easter is this ultimate surprise. As we read through the Gospels, oftentimes we, we foresee the cross, we foresee the empty tomb, but they had no expectation for that. They had no clue what God was up to on that day. And so in many ways, Easter comes to us every single year and invites us to do something. It invites us to expand our imagination of what God's power and what His promises could be in our life. Easter is, an, is this invitation for God to expand our imagination for His promises and His powers in, in our life. Because what we know about the God of the Gospels, what we know about Jesus, is that God is happy to exist outside our expectations. This Easter, I've been thinking about a particular symbol of that, God's, God's uh, potential to surprise us, this unforeseen potential to be bigger and greater than what we might imagine. And actually, it's in the form of seeds. I've been thinking about seeds recently, and uh, the power of seeds. Jesus once foretold his death through his life and his death through the symbol of seed right here is the seed I'm holding. He said this in John 12, verse 24. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. One kernel is just one kernel unless it is buried and dies, then it can be something more. I'm going to need some help to explain this. So, uh, Rob, here you go. Would you help me out there? Thank you. I need someone else over there. Feel free to challenge me if you don't think I can throw it far. All right. Cam, there we go. Boom. That's on you, bro. That's on you. That was a perfect throw. (laughs) Okay, so I need your help. I want you to count the kernels. Very simple. A little trick. Down and across, you can multiply it. A little trick right there. So if you guys could count this cor- cor- the uh, kernels on these corns, that'd be great. So seeds are incredible. Right here in this little seed is enough potential. It has everything it needs to be a towering sequoia. It has everything in this little kernel to be, to be released, this potential to be released to be also maybe a, a lush apple tree or a fragrant honeysuckle. It's all right here. And this little bitty kernel of corn, in this one little kernel, has such great potential if it's handled well. Either it could just remain a little kernel, or it could be planted. It could be planted and buried, and then all of a sudden, in the right conditions, this potential is released. Or that kernel could be turned into a corn nut, ranch-flavored corn nut, <laughs> enjoyed by one person on a road trip, and everyone else smells the pungent smell. All right here, great potential, (laughs) great potential. Okay, so are we there? Okay, what's your number, Cam? 547. Nice. Rob? 400 and something. 
give or take, Massimeno. Very good. Okay, so these are smaller. Uh, can we give them a, a applause for math? How great is that? So these are smaller uh, ears of corn, or they're really bad at math. Uh, the average number for the number of kernels on an ear of corn is 800. So we're shooting a little bit low today. That's all right. But I just want to do a little demonstration here. I want to display my Aggie math for you guys. Uh, thank you. Uh, one kernel can be one kernel. But if it's planted, if it's planted in the right conditions, it will turn up, a, a, a corn plant will actually sprout out two ears of corn. So one kernel uh, can become a plant with two ears of corn, each having 800 seeds on it equals what? Very good, very good, 1,600 kernels. Now, what if, what if instead of in buttering up these ears of corn and enjoying them, what if you took off all of those kernels and planted them as well? Each kernel planted as well. So let's think about it, 1,600 seeds planted, each growing two ears of corn, times 800 kernels on each ear of corn is... 2,560,000 kernels of, of corn right there. Pretty awesome, right? But what if you took all of those kernels and planted all 2,560,000 kernels in the ground and all of that potential is then released again and took all of those ears of corn? How many kernels would you have then? Well, it's easy. It's super easy. 4 billion, 96 million seeds right there. So this is, this, is the beautiful, this is the beautiful nature about seeds. One kernel in three generations has such potential. One kernel can become four, over 4 billion kernels, all right there. Seeds have great potential for life. And a seed was a symbol of Jesus' life when he said this, Unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it only remains one kernel, one seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. See, Jesus knew that he was going to have to give away his life. He, he knew the potential that would be released in this world if he were to give over his life to bring about salvation and redemption and deliverance, that there would be this great harvest that would happen. But he had to give his life over. A seed must die to give way to new seeds. Though Jesus spoke of his need to die, to bring out life again, no one expected it. They saw Jesus' death on the cross and his, his death in this tomb as nothing but a tragedy, a waste, and a defeat. But that is not the way of God. They saw his potential buried in the grave and gone forever, but not so with God. This teaches us an important truth. Easter teaches us an important truth. Sometimes in life, things seem buried when in fact, through God's redemption, they are just being planted. Though we might feel oftentimes in our life, there's parts of our life that are being buried through God's work of redemption, which is oftentimes slower than it we wish it were to be, we are in fact being planted. Maybe you walked in this place today with part of your life feeling buried, 
dreams buried, relationship buried, your future buried, your hope buried, when in fact God is bringing about a season of redemption whereby after a while, after a season of waiting, there is life that is going to burst out of the ground. Although it comes sometimes unexpected, that there will be life again. Although that life won't be the same life that we maybe have dreamt, that there will be life again. Although relationships might have changed, that there will be a future. Oftentimes, we have this, this invitation through Easter to expand our imagination of what God could do. If only we had faith and courage to see it. Easter is this reminder that God has his power, and it exists outside our expectations. Frederick Buechner, a theologian, once said it so beautifully. He said this, Easter means that the worst thing is never the last thing. When it comes to God, the worst thing will never be the last thing. The cross wasn't the last thing for Jesus. The tomb wasn't the last thing for Jesus. God is a redeeming God. God is the alpha and the omega. He's the beginning and he's the end. So that we would know that sorrow, shame, regret will never have the final say. What has the final say is the power of Easter. It's the power of Easter. So when all hope was lost for Jesus' friends, we find John 20. We find this story. And the focus for me of this story is this relationship between Jesus and this woman named Mary Magdalene. Years before this moment, Jesus found Mary, and she was ridden with these evil spirits. They were just tormenting her. And Jesus made her whole. He called her by name and made her whole. He healed her and restored her. And because of that, Mary, she wanted to follow Jesus. She walked with Jesus. She was a disciple. She walked with Jesus, learned with Jesus. And then the inconceivable happened. In her following of Jesus, one day Jesus was arrested. So then Mary followed Jesus to the cross, and the script fell apart. Jesus was then to the tomb. Mary was there. And when everyone else had left, one remained, and that was Mary. John 20, verse 1. On the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. This is good to know that Easter begins in darkness. This day of great rejoicing, it begins in darkness. It was the case then, and it is a case in our life as well, that hope comes from darkness. Many times we're taught to fear the dark. Uh, I mean, how many of us were afraid of the dark when we were growing up in our rooms, afraid? Anyone else? Just me? Anyone else envisioning Jabba the Hutt in their closet? Am I alone in that? But I remember as a boy dreading bedtime because I hated the darkness. And many times in our life, we hate, we hate the darkness too. We're taught to fear it. But oftentimes, the way with God is that when darkness is there, it's just there so we enjoy the hope, the joy, the life that's about to burst forth. Episcopal priest, Barbara Brown Taylor said it like this. She said, Life starts in the dark. Whether a seed in the dark, a baby in a womb, or a savior in a tomb, life starts in the dark. And this morning when Mary was there 
And not only was Jesus killed, but now they've taken him away. It felt dark. It's Easter begins with mourning, darkness, and despair. But the worst thing is never the last thing. And after seeing the empty tomb, verse 2, so Mary came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. By the way, that's the author writing about himself. He loves to describe himself as the one that Jesus loved, a.k.a. Jesus' favorite. Very good. Okay, thank you, John. So Mary comes running to, to Peter and to John, and she says this, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Only a man. Only a man would make this a competition. In the midst of the Easter story, John's like, still beat him. Still beat him. Side note. Important side note. So he, he got there. What needs to be reflected, though, he wasn't the first one there. Who was? Mary, who never gave up. Never gave up. So John, in verse 5, bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came in behind him and went straight in the team, probably much later and much more winded than John was. Finally, the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went inside and saw and believed. What did they believe? They believed that he was dead, he was taken. <laughs> they weren't believing yet in the power of Easter. They did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the other disciples went back to where they were staying. The other disciples left And once again, who is there alone? Mary, an apostle to the apostles. She was there alone mourning. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying as she wept. She bent over to look in the tomb. I guess just because she could not believe her eyes. And saw there now two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? And she responded, they have taken my Lord away, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Mary, in this sacred moment, in the middle of this Easter story, she's experiencing the power of Easter, but she still can't see it yet. She doesn't, she doesn't have the ability to really take it in. Her eyes aren't fully open. And I just want you to notice in this story what it takes to open her eyes. I wonder if it will be the same thing that's needed in your life today as well. In verse 15, he asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking, this is Jesus now. Jesus was there. Um, um, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking that he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Then Jesus said in verse 16, said the simple word, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. What did it take for Mary's eyes to be open? Jesus had to call her by name. He had to call her by name, this moment of intimacy, and we just need to know that God's a God of relationships, that Mary had 
she had walked with Jesus enough to know when Jesus calls her name, it's different than when other people called her name. She had walked with Jesus. She had learned to trust that voice. I promise you, if you had 40 women in a room and my mom was there and one by one, I was blindfolded, one by one, you said my name, I I would know which one would be my mother's because she would also call me Marky Poo, (laughs) which I immediately regret saying that that's an option for you to call me. (laughs) She had walked with Jesus. She had walked with Jesus when Jesus healed her, don't you know? He said, Mary, you have been healed, you've been restored. She learned to trust the voice of Christ. And so when Jesus here in this moment says the simple word of Mary, the lights went off. And she realized the first person in all the world, all the human existence, she realized what Easter was about. The worst thing is not the last thing. She could see clearly. And in this dark moment, the sun began to rose. And she saw there that this was not a time to mourn, but a time to celebrate In this dark moment, the sun began to rise again as she saw that Jesus was not dead. Jesus is alive. He was alive. He was not buried. He was planted. And there's a big difference between being buried and planted because on Easter morning, life burst forth from the ground and he was alive again. Verse 19, Jesus said, you know, Mary was clinging on to Jesus, holding on to him, Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I'm not done with my work, Mary. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary, I'm not done with you yet. You're going to be my first witness. You're going to be the first evangelist. I'm going to send you on mission. Why don't you go tell those followers of me that they're not done following me? Why? Because I'm going to to send... To my father, but listen to this. It's not just my father, but it's your father. It's not just my God, it's your God. The same power that God displayed in my life, that is going to be given to you. So go and share this good news. Verse 18, Mary Magdalene, our first witness to the risen Savior, he went, she went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them all that, she, that he had said these things to her. My friends, Jesus was, he wasn't a gardener, but that morning he did take that seed that, that they thought was buried and showed it was just planted. And at the sound of her name, the seed that Mary had, the seed of sorrow and of doubt and confusion and despair, all of a sudden in Jesus' words and calling her name, she all of a sudden realized that she was holding the seed of life and of hope and of purpose That kernel of wheat must die to give a sense of renewed hope in hearts like Mary's and the other disciples and you too. You might have walked in this room with a seed of despair, of sorrow, thinking the worst thing is the last thing. It's Easter. It's not the way it is. Today, this Easter, Jesus is calling your name too. And at the name that Jesus is going to say, at the sound of the resurrected Savior, calling you by name, the seed that you're carrying in your heart, in your mind, today is the seed of new and unexpected life. 
It's an interesting thing about seeds. Seeds do not know the time to spring up, the time to bring about new life. It is almost like the Creator has to say over that seed something like the voice calling out to that seed, it's time, rise up, rise up, breathe life again, leave the darkness and get up into the light. Jesus walked the cross and encouraged his trust, gave his life to his father. He was crucified, he was dead, and he was put in that tomb where he was planted so that one day there could be a harvest, a massive harvest that would include a woman like Mary, it would include frightened disciples, and it would include people in Austin, Texas in 2019 in a middle school auditorium of all places meeting here on Easter so that we could hear that same voice calling out your name right now, surprised by hope, surprised by a loving Father. My hope and prayer is that this Easter, just like a seed that hears the calling from the Creator, you would hear that same voice in your soul today. Whatever you feel like is buried in your life, God has a redemption plan for it. It's not just buried, it's planted. So that there could be a Savior who grabs you by the hand and says, it's time. Get on up. Come on. You can rise up. Though you're riddled with doubt, come on up. Though you're shackled to your past, that's not the truth. You're free Rise up, even though you have little faith, though you're weary and tired, though you may not see clearly Jesus is alive, He is alive, He is alive. So whatever you have in your hands today, whatever that seed is today, expand your imagination what God could do. Because today's Easter, and anything is possible. Anything is possible.